Welcome to This Is Us podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Hansen, and my wife and I have the honor of serving alongside an amazing team as lead pastors of Hillsong Church in Denmark and Malmo. This podcast is a collection of short episodes regarding life, leadership, and culture. If you haven't done so already, please click follow and subscribe. And as always, if you find this to be valuable, feel free to share it with others. All right, welcome back to This Is Us podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It is so good to have you part of this. And I want to speak a message today or talk about a particular part of leadership um, that I think is super important. I mean, they're all important, but this one takes the cake. And it's on the topic of unity. Unity. I want to just give you quick seven quick points. Seven because it's a Christian podcast and seven is a holy number. That's a joke. But seven quick things on unity. The first one is, number one, unity commands a blessing. I know we hear this all the time in our context. If you're part of our church, you would have heard this a billion times. And, but it still blows my mind. It blows my mind that God puts principles in place in the natural that unlocks something in the spiritual. I don't know about you, but I don't know where the natural ends and the spiritual begins. I don't. There are so many times throughout Scripture that we see that that we can do something in the natural that unlocks something spiritual that even has an impact back again on the natural. I often think about the verse that says, um, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and God will repay you. That's a crazy verse. If you give to the poor natural, you're lending to the Lord spiritual and God spiritual will repay you natural. I don't know how that works. All I know is Everything is not neither natural, spiritual. I think everything is natural and spiritual. And the same when it comes to unity. Psalm 133 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Then it talks about oil and beard and whatever, uh, which is a great ad for anyone that sells beard oil. But then it goes down to the last verse where it says, Because there the Lord commands, bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. I think this is why unity is constantly under attack whether it's unity in a marriage, unity in a business, unity in, in a church, unity in a team, the enemy will take any chance to isolate someone, any chance to isolate someone. When Paul, when Paul he spoke to the saints, when, it, when he wrote a letter, he, he, would, he would speak to the saints in plurality, plural, not the saint of, but the saints, you know, with an S. Um, but the enemy, he wants to isolate. Think about predators, wolves, you know, lions, they will look for the one, the one in the flock that is outside of the flock, the one that's falling behind, the one that's injured and cannot keep up. And as soon as you isolate it, you know, Peter says that the enemy walks around like a prowl, you know, prowls like a roaring lion looking for who he can devour. Who's he looking for? The one who's isolated. How, how does he do this? Well, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says, though we live in the world, we do not wage wars, the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It's amazing. We have three things here. We have thoughts, arguments, and strongholds. You know, everything begins with a thought. But thoughts are just, you know, there's a Chinese proverb that says, you cannot hinder the birds flying over your hair, but you can hinder them building a nest in your hair. And it's the same with thoughts. Thoughts are like trains at a train station. They come and they go. 
Just because a train passes through doesn't mean you have to get on it. And it's the same with thoughts. You can have thought patterns. You can have thoughts that come into your head. But just because a thought gets into your head doesn't mean that you're bad. Doesn't mean you've done it. Doesn't mean that you and you doesn't mean you have to entertain it. You don't have to act you don't have to get on that train. Let it pass through. But what thoughts they do is that they can create seeds. And it could be little things like, oh, I bet you they don't like me. I bet you they don't see me. I bet you they don't believe in me. And thoughts then becomes arguments when they grow stronger. Arguments are now you're defending your thoughts. Oh, yeah, he always. No, no, she always. You see, now thoughts have become arguments. And arguments now become strongholds. And strongholds can be hard to break. That becomes a conviction. becomes part of your identity. Unity commands a blessing. Number two, unity is an example of God. Unity is an example of God. John 17, 20 says, My prayer, this is Jesus speaking or praying. My prayer is not just for them, talking about the disciples alone. I pray also for all those who believe in them through their message. That's you and me. And that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you are in me and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Is that crazy? You know, unity is an example of God. You know, the Bible says that God hates divorce and, and we're not, the, the, there's obviously, there's there's a whole thing that we can talk about marriage and but one of the reasons why that god he, he's so strongly hates divorce obviously there are there are legit reasons uh, to get a divorce and the bible also gives space for that um but one of the reasons why there's such strong language is because marriage is the example that god gives of what we have with god that when we become a Christian, it's like entering into a marriage. And the original design of that was that it's something that lasts forever until death do us apart, we say, um, under the ceremony, during the ceremony. And, and it breaks the original design when we, when we treat it flippantly. And, and here Jesus says that unity, it, it shows who God is. It's an example of who God is, what we have in God. Isn't it also amazing that unity is what we get given as the sign? You know, Jesus says, this is how they're going to know you're my disciples. Not by speaking in tongues, jumping up and down and yelling and screaming and singing songs. No, the, the, the way that people are going to know that you're my disciples is the way you love one another. That's the example of God, unity. Number three, unity is a choice. Unity is not a feeling, ladies and gentlemen. Unity is a choice it has to be a conviction and not a preference now the way you know I, I often think about this because unity doesn't mean you don't argue unity doesn't mean that you don't have you know whatever um but when, when you do argue choose unity first you know choose unity if if i'm about to have a big conversation with someone in church like if someone comes to, to cater my, myself, my wife and I, and, and want to talk about something and we know that it's about a disagreement or something that has the potential of creating disunity, we'll often start that conversation with a prayer. And we'll say, Jesus, we pray for unity. We pray that we, can, we will have this conversation honestly, uh, but with unity. Because that is possible. 
it's like having a home you can travel out from but return to. You, you get what I'm saying? Like you have a home and then you travel out, discover the world, and then you come home again. And, and that's, the, that's the beauty of relationship. Now, you can change things, but you're not just constantly taking your home with you. It is thought through. It's reasoned. And so be careful not to judge a person mid-argument because you don't have the full picture. Unity is a choice. Closely linked to that, number four, is that unity is not uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. There is room for different personalities, different opinions, different passions, even between churches. I can be united with another church. I can be united with another pastor. I can be united with another ministry, even though we look different at different things. Now, within church world, we will say that there is what we call um, dogma, doctrine, disciplines, or devotions, you can also say. And... You know, dogma is like if you're a Christian, there are certain things that these are non-negotiable. You know, Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. That's non-negotiable. You know, that Jesus died and rose again. That's a non-negotiable. If we can't agree on that, uh, it's very hard for us to have fellowship. Now, we can be friends, but it's very hard for us to say, you know, we are building church together. Uh, because that's a dogma. Doctrine, there is now a little bit more room to move. And disciplines is the outworking of this. So discipline can be, you know, the, the, the style of worship or the, the, the way you do your devotion or the way you do a ch church service or things like that. But unity is not uniformity. You can agree to disagree. And I think it's important to understand that love and anger can coexist. I can love you and still be angry with you, you know. Because they they can they can coexist, um, but you you got to the Bible says be angry but do not sin, and I think we when we mature when we get old and we start well not that age is always the same as maturity but when we mature, we understand that we can move away from just having one feeling at the time, and actually have mixed feelings. Like have you ever been happy sad? You know you can be happy and sad at the same time. Um, you can be, you can be, you can love someone and be angry. You can be committed and disagree at the same time. Now, when we're immature, we think, "Oh, I disagree. I'm, I'm leaving. I cannot be committed to this church. I cannot be committed to this team." That's immaturity, because you can be committed and work out your disagreements at the same time. In Matthew five twenty one, Jesus says, "You've heard that it's said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who's angry." with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Now listen to this. Do it. Like settle your issues while you're still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Can I encourage you? Sort your differences while you're still friends. You know, you, it's great when we're all friends. It's great when everyone agrees. It's great when everyone's loving being on team and loving being part of church and loving serving. Fantastic. But you've got to also make sure that all the differences are sorted while you're friends. Because then in the dark seasons, in the dark moments where, where, there is, where there is tension, you know, that's when it has to be able to bear. That's when it has to hold. 
you know, we, I will often think about when, I, when I'm thinking about people on our team and even volunteers and, and just life in general, like how would someone retell this season? How would someone retell being part of the team? Let's say that they moved out of faith and away from God and, and got a, you know, disgruntled heart. How could they, how would they talk about this season? Are we doing it in a way that even in that position, they could still say, you know what? They still treated me with respect. They still loved me. They still served me. Unity is not uniformity. There is room for, there is room for difference. Number five, unity is authentic. Unity is authentic, meaning unity is not just a structure. It's not just a pretend, pretend play. Unity is not just about time and place. You know, you've, have you ever been lonely at a party? It just shows that unity is not just about time and place. It's not just about, you know, having, being in the same place, being in the same team. Unity is not even about saying the right thing. Um, you know, it, it, it's, about, it's, it's, it's about our hearts uh, connecting. It's about authenticity. Proverbs 23.6, it says, do not, do not eat the food of a begrudging host. Do not crave his delicacies, for he's the kind of person who's always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the little you've eaten and will have wasted your compliments. Unity is not just about sitting at the same table. Unity is not just about that your structure says you're united or your systems are in place. Unity is authentic. Unity is about authenticity. It's about heart connections. Number six, just two more to go. Number six, unity is a revealer. Unity is a revealer. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Amos 3.3. Amos is one of the minor prophets, which I think is fair. He made the Bible. Give him some cred. But Amos 3.3, he says, Do two people walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Do two people walk together unless they've agreed to do so? Have you ever been for a walk and you walk into the city and then you find yourself walking next to someone and you're like, this is awkward. Um, because you're like literally walking the same place and it's like, okay, one of us, either we got to get to know each other or one of us needs to slow down and restart. You know, there's something about walking together. If you're walking together with someone long enough, obviously it's because you agree on something. You know, you've agreed either on the estimate time of arrival, you've agreed on the speed, the pace, you've agreed on the mode of transport. You know, when, when two people walk together, it's because there's an agreement. The people that are in your life on a consistent basis, it's not whether you are united. It's not whether they are shaping you and you are shaping them. It is what are they shaping you in? Because the people that you are constantly walking with, they are the ones that you are in agreement with. So it'd be good to find out, not if we agree, but what do we agree on? What do we agree on? Look at your recent call list. Look at your most sent SMSs. If your phone is anything like mine, if you're about to write an SMS, my phone will suggest who I should send it to. Suggest send it to this person because you often send it to this person. Send it to this person because you often write with this person. Call this person because you often call this person. So those are people that are in your world. Those are people you agree about something. Question is, what do you agree about? What do you agree on? It could be bad attitude. It could be negative lifestyle. It could be sinful behavior. It could also be positive things. It could be you serve together, you go to the gym together. It could be that you're just really good friends. What do you agree on? And are those things that you want to agree on? 
Lastly, unity is a fruit of the Spirit. Unity is a fruit of the Spirit. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to unify the church. Paul says in Galatians 5 that strife, disputes, dissensions, factions, they're the sides of the flesh, and it's opposed to being led by the Spirit, Galatians 5.18. The Holy Spirit is the one who produces love in our hearts, and this is the love that binds everything together in perfect harmony, Colossians says in 3.14. So when the Holy Spirit is working strongly in church, Part of that, yes, is to manifest God's presence, but it's also to build this beautiful harmony of church community, of building love for one another. I'll finish with one of my favorite stories, and I'm sure I've shared it on this podcast before. It's about the German pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who um, in his, his, his book on community, um, he talks about, you know, he's, he, was, he was captured during the Second World War by Nazis, and he was in this prison, and he wrote in his letter to his friends, he says, when I look at my enemy or I look at my brother, they both look the same to me because I see them both through Jesus. I see them both through Jesus. Isn't that just beautiful? Whether I'm looking at my enemy or I'm looking at my friend, they both look the same because I'm seeing them both through the filter of Jesus. You know, unity is the fruit of the Spirit. Unity is when you have the ability to look at people through the filter of Jesus. Love covers a multitude of sins, the Bible says. It's not cover up, but it covers. It understands you're fallible, I'm fallible, you're weak, I'm weak. We're humans, we're broken people. But through Jesus, there is grace, there is forgiveness, there is long-suffering, there is understanding that you are work under construction, I am under construction, and together we're becoming more and more like Jesus. So can I encourage you, fight for unity. Fight for unity. Unity commands a blessing. Unity is an example of God. Unity is a choice. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is authentic. Unity is a revealer. And unity is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to This Is Us podcast. Whether you listen to them as an individual or as a team, we hope that they add value to you. Make sure to click follow or subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Thank you for joining us. We are who we are. This is us.